Welcome to episode 25 of Hoops with Book and Sheed. This is part two of our season preview. This time we're talking about players. So we start off the podcast discussing some hashtag this league content that we are excited for. So some storylines to watch across the league. Obviously that is headlined by uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo signing a five-year extension. So we, we do a little bit of chatter about that. Then we hop into talking about five players that we're each interested in. So guys that could make or break a team or are perhaps on the verge of a breakout themselves. After that, we discuss a couple players that we each think are overrated. And then we finish up with a bonus category. Um, And I'm not going to tell you what that is. You'll have to wait until the end to see it. And then um, at the end of the podcast, we actually do a little COVID corner. So we talk about when we think NBA players will get uh, COVID vaccines. So uh, thanks for tuning in and um, enjoy the podcast. Okay, here we are. We're back for another episode of Hoops with Book and Sheed, doing part two of our season preview. Today, we're going to be talking about players who are obviously on teams, and we'll end up talking about the teams a little bit, but um, some focus on the players, I think. Originally, we thought we would do your average who's going to be MVP, is going to be all NBA, rookie of the year, et cetera. Um, but that sounded kind of boring. So we decided to take a different approach. And instead, we are going to talk about uh, some hashtag this league content to watch out for uh, on a player level. Then we're going to talk about some players that each of us are really interested in, uh, some players we think are overrated. And then we have a, a special bonus category at the end, that'll be a surprise. Um, so Sheed, should we, should we hop into it? Let's do it. You want to start us off? Yeah, sure. So the first thing that I did have pegged for the hashtag this league content to watch for was going to be what happens with Giannis. Um, I was obviously interested in whether or not he was going to resign with the Bucks. If not, if they were potentially going to trade him, which I didn't think was going to happen, just how that whole saga was going to play out. But um Today we learned with a uh, is what is what is Shams version of a Woj bomb? I don't know. I think it's Shams also, but God, I call I call it a Shams grenade. That's good. I, although I feel like that doesn't necessarily give him enough credit relative to a Woj bomb. How do you? What's of equal importance to a bomb? I don't know. Anyways. Um, Shams reported that Giannis signed a five-year, $228 million uh, super extension. So Giannis will be with the Bucks for the next five years, unless he decides in two years that he wants to be traded. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is really good for the Bucks. I think it's really good for the NBA, too. I think it's good to have a star player stay in with the original team, especially a smaller market team, because it, it gives those teams hope. Because, like, it's yeah. not that, yes, the Bucks could have won with Giannis in one of the past couple of years. But at the same time, like, even if you have a developing superstar, they're probably not going to be, like, the best player on a championship team until year five or six or seven or eight, you know, or nine or ten. So, you know, basically half of the championship window is, you know, after they can choose their own place to play and if every star player is going to leave every small market team like that's just an incredible disadvantage for those teams yeah because if you have to thread the needle and make sure that you win the championship in one of two or three years when your player is old enough that he's good enough to be the best player but not too old that he can then leave 
um, it, it would just it's a, that's just so much to overcome. So I'm happy that he's staying with the Bucks. Um, they're obviously very good. We'll see if they can overcome their playoff issues this year. Yeah, and I think their general lack of depth. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I think it's especially with like the whole Harden saga that's happening. I think it's it's encouraging to see a guy just stay somewhere. Um, because it would be annoying if every single player just went to LA, Boston, New York, Miami, maybe the Texas cities because they don't have state income tax. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see it. I think Giannis like seems to be a stand up guy. The only disappointing thing is, uh, we're not going to get to drink some no tech Ben tears on Twitter, but such is life. Yeah. It's too bad. It's too bad. All right. Uh, what do you have? What's, what's first on your list? Uh, one of the biggest storylines the past week, I think it's just been Kyrie Irving doing, you know, Kyrie Irving things, calling the media pawns, not going to talk to the media all year. Then he talked to the media yesterday, the day before. Um, so generally interested in, in Kyrie. Did you see, did you see his Instagram live with Kevin Durant? I didn't see it, but I saw there was a ridiculous <laughs> quote. It was, it was like outrageous. It was outrageous. Like, I guess part of it's like Kyrie versus the media, but also like how Steve Nash plays in that. Cause I guess. Kyrie just thinks like he is the him and Kevin Durant are like the the coaches of the team, and Steve Nash is just there to be a figurehead, and that just can't be ideal for Steve Nash. Kyrie was saying he wanted eight post ups a game. Personal, like yes, the guard post ups. Yes, that's not good. Yeah, she was she was shaking his head. Yeah, I mean, so I guess I'm interested in seeing what happens with Kyrie this year because it's always something new. Always something new. Yeah, I think that will certainly be fascinating. I'm wondering if halfway through the year they're gonna have Kyrie on the trading block because KD will be like, "This guy's run driving me nuts." Um, all right, cool. So my, I'll, we'll call this my first because I'm not actually gonna count the Giannis thing. Is um, I'm really interested in seeing the teams that are very similar but have a new coach. Uh, so I think here, like, the two biggest ones are the Sixers and the Clippers, and then I guess it's sort of Houston, depending on what happens with Harden. Um, it's like, who are these star players going to blame if things go bad? Like, if or, – or who are the fan bases, especially in Philly's case, going to blame if things go sideways? Like, if the Sixers just aren't that good, like, what are they going to blame it on now? Or are people just going to potentially acknowledge that – Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons either aren't as good as everyone thinks they are or don't fit together um, with the Clippers. Will it be like Kawhi and Paul George's lack of leadership, grit, alphaness that causes it? Um, and so that's, that's one thing I'm really interested in, especially because both of the coaches that are taking over are like relatively high profile kind of big personality guys in Doc Rivers and Ty Lue. Yeah. I mean, I think that's right. And I think, I think for the Sixers, at least, there probably is some roster reconstruction that's going to go in their favor of being better. Um, but with the Clippers, it's like pretty much a straight swap of Ty Lue for Doc. And, like, I don't know what that accomplishes other than, you know, makes Paul George feel better about himself. <laughs> uh, that, that may accomplish more than people think. Yeah. Uh, my second one is Steph Curry in transition. I, like, watched a few minutes of uh, Warriors – nuggets on saturday i think uh preseason game and it's just like so much fun when like steph curry has the ball in position it's like pulls up from 30 feet so just like i don't know i missed that last year and like i think it's less good obviously with no fans like part of the best part of like those warriors games like the fans and like the anticipation of him pulling up and hitting a ridiculous shot but i'm excited to see steph play again 
Yeah, to be honest, when I saw this, I thought you meant like the Warriors in transition and how is Steph Curry going to like manage the Warriors through that process, which for me is something I'm interested in. Like, I think I said this on the last podcast, but like, how does Steph Curry handle being the undisputed alpha dog, like needs to be the best player on his team night in and night out? Um, and what's that going to mean for his legacy? But um the next one that I had as content to watch out for that we actually also had as a listener question, I think it was from, um, might have been from Natalytics, Natalytics. I don't know how we pronounce that, um, friend of the pod, but who gets traded this year? So the guys that I, guys slash just like massive amalgamations of people on teams that I kind of put together in a list and she would be interested on your thoughts, who actually moves Harden, Beal, Blake Griffin, Al Horford, anyone on the Pacers that probably isn't Sabonis, do any of the guys in the Hawks log jam get traded, do any of the the vets on the Pelicans or the Thunder get traded? I don't know if there's anybody I'm missing from that list, but I'll be curious to see, especially with Harden and Beal, obviously, if those two big chips get moved, but also just who gets shopped around and ends up moving. Yeah, I mean, I think Harden probably gets traded. Um, Pacers, I don't know. Maybe like I don't think Beal gets traded this year. Blake's just a lot of money, so it has to be a weird trade. Horford, I think, will probably at least last a year in Oklahoma City because he's more tradable. Like at the at the, at the trade line next season. Yeah. Um, in terms of the Pacers and the Hawks log jams, you know, maybe Miles Turner gets traded. We'll see what happens with John Collins and his extension. And I think honestly, right. the player in the NBA most likely to be traded. Uh, speaking of Pellies and Thunders, Vets is probably George Hill. So I think George Hill will get traded at some point. Um, you think that's like the biggest name that gets moved? That's no. I just think I just think that's the most likely person to get traded in the NBA. Yeah, I guess you did say you think Harden's going to get traded, but I do think I do think Harden will get traded eventually. But yeah. I mean, like a lot of this is like, you know, the guys who you think are going to get traded like aren't often the, aren't always the guys who actually end up getting traded. But like for me, I'd be surprised if Beal gets moved this year. Yeah. Uh, who do you think will almost get traded to the Celtics? I don't know. It's harder this year, right? Like, the, like it's like in the past you could say like, oh, it could be Beal because, but now I think like Jalen Brown is good enough that like, not that you wouldn't trade Jalen Brown for Beal, but like it's just kind of a neutral, a neutral, not a neutral move, but like close to a neutral move with a player who's an older and then under less team control. So it doesn't make a ton of sense. And so, it has to be something where like they could trade like smart and a couple picks or something. I don't, so like someone really yeah. good who makes. Well, I mean, uh, just, just to clarify, this is not going to happen. I was just asking for your speculation on who they would almost trade for. Yeah. I'm just saying like you, when you almost traded for Paul George or you almost <laughs> Davis, like it was because you had Tatum and Brown who were probably. Yeah. Movable. Then, than than now. Yeah. That's fair. All right. What's next for you? Yeah. My last one is the bright future sons as you coined them. Uh, during the bubble uh well I, i'm interested to see how cp3 sort of meshes with booker and ayton i think booker and ayton obviously have a ton of potential um but cp3 is kind of like a pretty intense guy um and we'll see how they take his to say the least instruction i would say on the court um if, if they if they listen and they play with intensity especially defensively i think they'll be good For but sure. you know devin booker has been one has been known to be a stat chaser at times um, yeah and not a winning player in yeah i mean it, it went well with okc right like 
he seemed to gel with, you know, SGA and Dennis Schroeder and those guys. So, yeah, but I, I would say like, they're not Schreuder, alphas. Schreuder yeah. is more of a, more of a vet first. And then like SGA is like way more like quieter, you know what I mean? Yeah, like unless yeah. of like a, like Booker and Aiden were the guys last year and not that, yeah. not that CP3 is going to be the guy, but like they, that whole relationship is going to be interesting to me. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, my last thing is I'm really excited to see Luca this year. And I think there are two things, or, or sort of like on the hashtag this league front, I think he's going to be really vocal and chippy. Uh, and this is for two reasons. One, he speaks better English, um, which I think may have actually been uh, holding back his trash talk, but he's getting better. And I think he'll be like even more comfortable speaking to the media as well. And second is like he's a legit MVP candidate. Like he, gave the Clippers a very good run for their money. Um, and I think night in, night out is going to be the best player on the court in 85% of the games that they play. Um, so I'm excited to see Luca both on and off the court and kind of like how his personality as one of the faces of the NBA evolves. Yeah. I mean, Luca's amazing. I'm interested to see like how he evolves his game just because – like, to me, I think he gets better by just doing everything he does a little better. Like, he didn't shoot. He takes a very high percentage of difficult shots, and so that's why he's, like, shooting percentages aren't amazing. But, you know, what happens if he starts shooting 36% from three instead of 32% of every shot? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, what happens when he takes his game to the next level? Um, yeah. Interesting. Definitely. All right, so uh, that's kind of our hashtag this league content to watch out for. I'm sure there'll be plenty of other things guys beefing on twitter guys getting dunked on kelly Ubre wearing interesting outfits um there'll be plenty to see but let's let's move to our next category so this one is just players that we are really interested in and i think this is like a good mix of like big name guys but also you know players who are maybe on the fringes a little bit or just brand new um so she why don't you kick us off here yeah um my first guy is Lamelo Ball. Uh, I don't think he's gonna be good this year, for the record. I think it's just gonna be really fun to watch. Like, I it wouldn't shock me if he like shoots just a horrendous percentage from the field <laughs> and plays subpar defense, but also makes some absolutely electric passes and shoots like makes some like absurd like thirty footers or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, like he's really fun to watch. Like, he's made. Like, I don't know, a perfect example is just, like, what he's been so far in the preseason. Like, he's been objectively pretty bad so far in the preseason, but he's had some cool highlight plays. So, that'll be interesting. What percentage of Lamelo Ball's minutes in the preseason did you watch live? Zero. Oh, you, I thought you were tuned in. No. Have not tuned in to any uh, – yeah, I mean, I've just seen his, like, cool behind-the-back passes and has made three. Although his form – his three-point form looks like it's getting worse and not better. Like, it's starting to slide – his shooting pocket starting to slide like back across his face, like kind of like how Lonzo used to shoot. So that doesn't seem ideal. No, not at all. Yeah, I would agree. Really excited to see Lamelo for all the reasons that you laid out. He also, I think it's going to toss a lot of lobs to Miles Bridges and Bismack Biombo, um, a poor man's version of Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. There you go. Lob City 2.0. Um, okay, so the the first guy on my list, which like – might as well be a staff writer for ESPN with this take is uh, Zion. I just like, I, he's electrifying. 
Um, and it was a bit of an enigma last season in that he was dominant offensively, but he was out of shape. He didn't play good defense. Um, and now he has Stan Van Gundy as his coach. And I'm just really interested to see, like, A, how good he is, but also how good his team is. Because I think, like, he's obviously great at getting the ball and getting the basket and scoring. I just don't know how good he is at the other stuff yet. Um, and, you know, he's only a second-year player. He's, like, probably barely 20 years old. But I think the difference between him being, like, a star and a super duper star is going to be not his ability to score, but everything else, which has perhaps actually under delivered up to this point. So I'm super interested in Zion. I think how he goes will largely drive how the Pelicans go. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, my second guy is, is Derek Jones Jr. Um, I just think he's a really good fit in Portland, um, even more than he was in Miami. In Miami, like, Bam's not a true shooter. And he also is playing with Jimmy Butler a lot. So there was less space for him to operate sort of offensively, I think, than he'll have as, like, a dunker in, in Portland. And he's just a terrific defender. And so I think people have been talking about um, Covington a lot. And I obviously think Covington's a good fit, too. But I think Derek Jones Jr. is going to have a really good year. And I'm looking forward to seeing him in his situation that he'll have in Portland. Yeah, he shot and made a couple threes as well. Um, so if he can do that, you know, if he can make him at a, even just like a 33% clip so that he doesn't would be, get, would be enormous. Yeah. Yeah. So that he doesn't get like Lou Dort or Andre Roberson at the end of games. Yeah. Um, cool. So I, the second guy I had actually, in a, eh, not totally similar situation, but a guy who moved teams that I think will be a better fit is Josh Richardson. So It'll be interesting to see if he kind of gets back to the form that he had when he was with Heat, where he was a really good secondary ball handler, even a good primary ball handler at times, great defender. I think, in theory, he's exactly what you want off of Luca, which is like a good shooter, guy that can like attack closeouts, really good defender who can guard ones and twos. Um, and I think, you know, if he can be your third or fourth I think there's a big question in my mind. Can he be your third or fourth best guy on a championship contending team? And if he plays like he did on the Sixers last year, I think the answer to that question is no. But if it's more like the Heat or better, then the Mavericks could kind of go to the next level. Yeah, exactly. He also has a player option coming up, which I assume he'll opt out of. But uh, with Giannis leaving, I, I could see him signing an extension or whatever in, in Dallas to sort of be a great supporting piece. I think he fits really well with what they do with Luca and uh, Porzingis. Yep, agreed. My third guy, uh, Killian Hayes, and to some degree, like Sekou Dumboya with Killian Hayes. I think. Let's go. <laughs> I don't know how good Killian Hayes is going to be, but like it's kind of the inverse of the Lamelo situation, where like I just think he's going to get a ton of minutes. They're going to be bad. He's more of a steady hand than he is a you know, flashy player, but I'm interested to see what he looks like out there. To me, like, I don't know what his player comp is, but like, I just, it's always fun when a rookie point guard who I think isn't going to make like horrendous decisions uh, is, is out there. And that's what I, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how he plays all year long and like what he, what kind of player he's developing into. Yeah. I think I see his ceiling as like a less athletic, perhaps slightly better shooting version of De'Aaron Fox. That's just a lefty-on-lefty um, lefty comp. 
<laughs> yeah, but also Fox like wasn't a horrible decision maker as a rookie point guard, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess I hadn't thought of a good player comp. I was thinking like, and they both have size. Yeah, how big? How big is Hayes? Like six five. Yeah, he's like six five, two fifteen. I was gonna say like a slightly better shooting, Tomas Sadoransky. That does not give me a whole lot of hope for the Pistons' future, but sure. I mean, if Sadoransky could shoot, he'd be a starting level point guard. He's a terrific defender. He's a good decision maker. Like, I don't think Hayes is gonna like break guys down off the dribble and like get to the rim a lot. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't really seem like that's his skill set, but maybe it is. Yeah, maybe probably not. Probably not. You're probably right. All right, um, I cheated a little bit on this next one. So I have uh, Michael Porter Jr. and to a lesser extent, Bull Bull. Um, I think the Nuggets have done a great job of drafting these like boomer bust guys. And a lot of them recently have boomed. And Michael Porter Jr. was incredibly up and down last year, especially in the playoffs. Uh, obviously those that listen to the pod know that I was a big advocate of hashtag free MPJ. Um, and I think the Nuggets need him to go to the next level, both offensively and def- and defensively, to be a, a true title contender. Um, and then, you know, if Bull Bull can become like a rotation player, A, that's good for the Nuggets rotation, but B, I think great to have him as a trade chip because I'm sure there are GMs that are salivating over the fact that he's, you know, 7-3 but can handle the ball and shoot. Yeah. Yeah, Bull Bull. I don't know how he pl- – he's so skinny. I mean, I have a guy coming up who's very skinny too. But I'm interested to see, like, what he even looks like in an actualized NBA game, right? Like, oh, we've only seen him play in, like, fake bubble games where he just, like, makes some absurd plays and, like, a block and then makes a three in transition or whatever. But, like, I don't really know what happens, like, in a normal half-court possession with Bull Bull. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good question. No, no <laughs> thoughts on MPJ? You're equally as excited as I am? I mean, I don't like MPJ. He's fine. I, like, he's going to be good. He's going to score. But, like, I just – hopefully he's not horrendous on defense anymore. I mean, I'm sure he'll score, like, 18 points a game or whatever on, like, relatively, really? good, on like relatively good shooting splits. If he plays 30 minutes a game, yeah, that's what he does, right? But, like, is he good enough defender, playmaker? Like, he just hunts his own shot. You know what I mean? It's just, like – yeah. It's kind of like a like a 6'10 uh, Monte Ellis. <laughs> that's that's a hilarious player comp. Uh that's, better, that's what, better better at shooting threes in Monte Ellis, I think, sure, but sure. otherwise I agree with you. He's like, you know what I mean? Like a, whatever, like yeah, Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, like he's like yeah. that's that's the player he was in the playoffs last year. It's like this explosive offensive player off the bench, but like he needs to be able to at least average defensively to become like a true Yeah. To become a potential all-star. The idea of him being a 6'10 Jordan Clarkson is pretty hilarious. <laughs> all right, yeah. who's next for you? I have Cam Reddish, and to some degree this includes DeAndre Hunter too. So like the, the sort of more defensive-minded wings on the Hawks. We were talking about this before, before we started recording, but like the Hawks are going to be so bad defensively. Like Trey Young's the worst defender in the NBA. They're playing – like Capella's fine, but he's not amazing. And then – you know, Ogongo is going to be solid, I'm sure, defensively. And then Bogdan solid. But, like, Trey Young's horrendous, and the, the four spot for them. So Gallo and John Collins are both horrendous defenders also. And, they, and like, then they're starting two average defenders. So, like, they need someone to be good at defense on the wing if they're ever going to get a stop. And it's up to these two guys to, to be those players. Um, and Hunter's had a really good 
Cleveland so far made some shots, which is huge. And for Reddish, he, he showed some flashes sort of as a secondary playmaker um, at the, towards the end of the season, and, and he'll need to, he needs to build on that because they just, they just need these guys to be good defensively if they have, want any chance of getting stops at all. Yeah, no, I, I think that's totally right. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I mean, the Hawks are going to be fun to watch. Uh, I have a question for you. If I played Trey Young in one-on-one and I had 10 possessions to score, on how many of those possessions do I score? I'll say like four. That's pretty good. That's a lot I think higher you, than I, I thought. I think you would like kind of you would like post them up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Probably. Like you would really want to post up. I, it's just a question of how effective you would be in getting into that sort of semi post up. Yeah, like he would probably strip you a few times. Like he's not like. I'm sure he was like an adequate high school defender. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's just I don't know. Like you're just bigger and presumably stronger than he is. I appreciate that. I'll take that. You as like your little turnaround fadeaway in the in the post. Yeah. All right. So uh, sounds like I would be a semi-effective one-on-one scorer against Trey Young. I'll take that as a victory. Um, okay. Next guy for me is Matisse Thibel. I feel like he's a guy that had a lot of hype going into last season and a lot of hype at different points in the season because of how good of a defender he is. But I have heard next to nothing about him this off season. Uh, and I think if he can develop like a decent three point shot, like he's your prototypical three and D guy, right? Like he's such a good defender. He's big, he's long, versatile. I, you know, he's obviously not great on offense, but I think if Matisse Thibel can be another two-way player or like some degree of a two-way player for the Sixers, that takes them to another level. Otherwise, they're kind of stuck in the same spot as last year where they have to fill out their rotation with, you know, either the Furkan Kormatses of the world who can't play any defense but can shoot or, I don't know, they probably had other good defenders that they threw out there that are escaping me. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little skeptical just because I think there was never any signs that he was going to be a good shooter based yeah. on college. And then he got kind of hot to start the year and people were like, Oh, Matisse Thibel. And then he just like kind of fell back down to earth. Like, I, like, I think he's like, you have to guard him. You know what I mean? You can't just leave him wide open, but like, he's, I don't think he's ever going to be like a 36 or a three point shooter. I still, I think he'll be like 32, 33, which is fine. He's a terrific defender, but like you said, it, it does lead them into some issues in crunch time because like, you don't really like when you're playing Embiid and Simmons on the floor at the same time, like you really yeah. need like knockdown guys if yeah. you want to play with them. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you assume their other two guys will be like Tobias Harris, probably Seth Curry. And then the question is who's the fifth guy on the I mean, court going to be? Probably Danny Green, right? Yeah. That's true. I forgot about Danny Green. But Although he's washed. washed. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Who's last for you? I, I can see it. I'm laughing. It's Poku. I, I have no idea how much Alexi. Can you say Pokashevsky. his. Yeah, Alexi Pokachevsky. Pokachevsky. He's like seven feet tall. He weighs like 180 pounds. He's built like a twig. He's kind of a guard. Uh, John Hollinger described it as watching like a seven foot tall J.R. Smith um, playing. I assume he's going to play. I think he's a seven foot tall, forty three pound J.R. Smith. Yeah, I assume he's gonna play. He's gonna be bad, I assume. But, but like, 
he's like 18 years old. It's electric. I hope he's. I hope he scores 25 points one game. Don't you have to be 19? Not if you're coming from Europe. I don't think. I'm pretty sure he's 18. I'll look it up. Interesting. I thought you had to be 19. Alexi Pokusevsky is 18 years old. He turns 19 on December 26th. Huh. Interesting. Seems like there'd be an opportunity for some arbitrage there. Yeah. I guess if you graduate high school early, maybe there's like something around it. If you graduate high school early, you need to still do a fit a one year of college. So like, yeah, like Kyra Lewis was like draft eligible last year. You know what I mean? Hmm. Interesting. He was born uh, April 6, 2001. So he would have been 18. If he's yeah. not out of such a year. Weird. Um, yeah, I agree. Poku is going to be electric. Uh, if I were to play 10 possessions against Poku in one-on-one, how many do I score? Uh, zero. I think I could beat him to the basket like once or twice. Yeah, maybe once. He's just so tall. He's a yeah, seven-footer. He's presumably a good athlete too because yeah. he's in the NBA playing guard. Yeah, that three. probably means he's a better athlete than me. So, yeah, maybe I wouldn't score on a guy. Who's maybe you score one. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I just take him in the post. And we assume I'm stronger than him. You're definitely stronger than him, but like uh, he's still seven feet tall with long arms. That's true. Um, okay, my last guy. I'm going back and forth between two people. Um, I can't quit him. Andrew Wiggins. Uh, he, there's so much potential. It's so tantalizing. He's in the Warriors system. Like, if he can just, like, be a good shooter and play some defense, like, he could be a really good player. Yeah. I think he'll actually have a good year. That's kind of my take. Like, he should just – like, he's playing with Oubre. He should just try to be Oubre. Like, I think if he tries to be Oubre, he'll be better than <laughs> Oubre. Does that make sense? Do you know I what know. I mean? Do you think anyone has ever said play more like Kelly Oubre? No, but don't you think if Wiggins, like – tried to play like Ubre, he would end up just being a better version of Ubre, which would be good. Yeah, I mean Ubre is kind of like a mofo. Yeah. Fun fact, friend of the pod, Aiden, once no, wait. I think he kicked him off a court. Ubre kicked him off or Aiden kicked Ubre? Aiden off? kicked Ubre off of a court. Absurd. They were, like, at the YMCA, and Ubre was on the other end of the court, like, getting up shots. And they were like, hey, man, we're trying to run full court. And they just made Ubre get off the court. Wow. This awesome. is when he was either in college or in the NBA. Why, why would Ubre need to go to a YMCA to get shots up? I have no idea. Uh, so we'll have to have some fact checkers on that story, but I think that's what I remember happening. Okay. There was also the time, who did we kick off the court? Jalen Brown? Club basketball practice? I thought yeah. it was like not Jalen Brown. Maybe it was Jalen Brown. I don't remember. Yeah. Anyways, good stuff. Um, all right. That was our that was five players that we're really interested in. Um, I, I really enjoyed that category. I think we had a lot of different players for different reasons. And um, I'm excited for each of them. Let's move next to players that we think are overrated. Um, I'll let you start. Trey Young. I think Trey Young's overrated. Like, I, I think he's good, but like, how good can you be when you're the worst defensive player in the NBA? And I think part of the issue here is like, unlike with like James Harden, like James Harden's bad at defense, but like 
in a playoff game, he can like try and like be not horrendous. You know what I mean? And there's certain situations like he can defend post ups pretty well. He's a very sturdy guy. Yeah. He's like okay guarding the ball. He's just bad off the ball. Like Trey Young is bad literally every single part of being a defender in the NBA. He's tiny. He's not particularly quick laterally. Like he doesn't stay in front of guys. He gets bullied. Like he's not good at getting over screens. He does everything hor- horrendously defensively. And so I just don't know how good of a player he's going to be in the NBA while being the worst defender in the NBA. Is there really no one that's worse than him? What about Who's like worse I- than him? Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas isn't in the NBA. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and yeah, like, I don't yeah know. Isaiah Thomas, I guess, like, was an unbelievable offensive player. And very clearly, that did not work for the Celtics in the playoffs. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, listeners, especially Hawks fans, I don't think we have any Hawks fans, listeners. Uh, but if we do, or anyone, um, tweet at us anyone that you think is a worse defender than Trey Young. I can't think of anyone. Um, all right. My first guy, this actually pains me to say it, but I think that Tyler Hero is just very overrated now. I think he got hot in some games in the playoffs. I think people love him because, kind of like Kelly Oubre, he's a bit of a mofo. Like, he plays with some moxie. He's got the best drip here. Jack Harlow had a song about him that somehow ended up on my Spotify Top 100. Hand up. Not proud of that. Uh, But it did. Anyways, I, I just, like, I don't think he's that good of a defender. Um, I think that he's actually not that efficient on the offensive end. If he's going to get pressed to carry a heavier load, like he takes stupid mid-range jump shots that are super contested early in the clock. He like kind of gets to the basket, but not at a high enough rate to like, you know, make it a huge part of his game. Obviously he's a good three-point shooter. um, But I just don't see him like, I think he's I think he's overrated. Yeah, I would it like if someone set the over under at Tyler Hero All Star Games at two and a half, I would hammer the under. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where he was obviously very good and polished, and it's hard. Like when someone's so polished offensively, it's like, what can they add to their game to get better? You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I think he can get better, but like. He's already like accomplished most of the skills, I think. And like there is an athletic limit on what he is, right? Like he's not a super athlete. Like he's Are you saying that because he's white? No, he's like shifty. Like he can but like he's he's not gonna be able to like attack the attack a big guy at the rim and like score that way. Which yeah. means he's not gonna get fouled a ton, right? And if you don't shoot a lot of free throws, then you're relying on shooting the ball incredibly, incredibly well, which I think he might be able to do, but like he's going to run into similar issues where like maybe he'll be a 22 point a game score or whatever, but like he's never going to be the explosive enough to be like, you know, I think Bradley Beal or like Mm -hmm. good enough defensively to become a two way player. Like I think he'll be okay, but like a two way player that like makes him a star. You know what I mean? Like, I think he Mm -hmm. definitely could make an all-star game, but like he's not going to be a perennial all-star because he doesn't have like the, that extra sort of juice to his game. Yeah, I agree. We'll see. All right, who's uh, who's next on your list? Uh, Montrezl Harrell. Um, I think there's been a lot of discussion about how he had a tough bubble and how it was sort of a blip on the radar, but I kind of think that's just who he is. And like, really, he's, he's scored in second unit, but like, he's again, like, he can't defend any centers. Like, he's not gonna, like. I guess 
he's not going to close any games for he, – he'll never close a game for anyone who's good. That's probably right. Maybe it's not overrated. But, like, in my mind, people still think about, talk about him like he should be, like, a stud or whatever. But, like, I don't know. Like, I think he's, like, the 30th best center in the NBA. The 30th best center in the NBA? Yeah. Wow. That is an aggressive would you rather, would, would, would you rather have Tice or Montrezl Harrell? I mean, it depends, right? Like, who like who would I rather have, like, closing a playoff game? Like, Tice, because Harrell has, like, obvious defensive limitations. But, like, if I was starting from square one and I could only have one of those guys on my team, like, I would choose Trez. Like, I think his contributions over the course of a season are pretty significant. And, honestly, I kind of disagree with you. I think it's one of those, like – he was overrated, and because people thought he was so overrated, he's now underrated situations. Um, okay. I think his contract right now at the Lakers is, like, actually about what I would peg his value to be. Um, but, he like, he can score in bunches. He's energetic. And I think in the regular season, like, he'll eat. And then, obviously, in the playoffs, he's not going to be as good. Uh, but, yeah, that's those are my feelings on Trez. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right, um, next guy for me that, like, I'm a, I was a little hesitant to put him here, but I, I can't help but feel that this player is overrated is Brandon Ingram. I think he probably shot better than he will through most of his career last year unless, like, those improvements just stick. Um, I don't think he's that good of a defender. Like, he's kind of – too slow to be really good at guarding twos and threes but he's like too weak to cover fours effectively he's like a good passer which is like you know nice but I think like right now there's perhaps like hope or thought that he could be like the one B on a championship team and I see him as more of a like Chris Middleton, like squarely the second best player on a championship team at best. Yeah. I, mean, I think he's like maybe like the 30th best player in the NBA or something, which is like good. But again, similar, like I don't really know how he gets that much better from here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's, he's sort of limited by how skinny he is. Yeah. In terms of like how good of a defender he can be or like ideally, like he's, he's not like the, lateral athlete that Tatum is a defender like I think you can get pretty close to Tatum offensively but with, with being like less of like a good defender like if he could be like just like sturdier and bigger he could just like guard fours you know what I mean like yeah. Tatum is big enough that like for he could guard most fours like okay. yeah, I mean he's like 6'10 and solid yeah but I'm just saying like Ingram is 6'9 or whatever he's just like yeah he's skinny. so skinny that like he's sort of a tweener defensively you know what I mean like yeah. he's not athletic enough to guard the like the the shifty wings and he's not strong enough to guard like the bigger guys. Yeah. Um, I agree. My last guy is actually Robert Covington. Like he's good, but like, I don't think he's as good as everyone thinks he is. Like he got traded for two firsts, like twice, twice. He can shoot it. Okay. He does nothing else offensively besides shoot it. And he's a good team defender. Who's like actually not that good of an on-ball defender. So like, I don't know. I guess that's – I mean, I'm not saying it's not valuable, but just, like, he's probably worth, like, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, 15, which is what he's paid. And everyone's like, he's on such a steal of a contract. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't pay Robert Covington $18 million a year. 
No. Yeah, I mean, honestly, on like in a vacuum, I agree with you. But he's one of those guys that is a superstar in his role, I think, where like you ask him to shoot threes, you ask him to play defense, get rebounds, and that's what he'll do, and he'll do it well. I mean, if he doesn't shoot that well, then he's definitely overrated. But if he keeps up the clip that he had with the Rockets, I think he's adequately rated. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Um, my last overrated uh, is the entire Chicago Bulls roster. Mm. I feel like all of their young guys, everyone thinks are going to be better than they actually are or ever will be. Um, like Zach Levine is, I think everyone thinks he's kind of overrated and just never going to be that great because he can't pass or play defense. Um, but I also just think that like Wendell Carter, Laurie Markkinen, you know, Kobe White, like they all have one or two skills that are like really good, but I don't ever see any of them being more than the like fourth best player on a championship team or like the third best player on like a playoff team. Um, and so like, yeah, they have some good pieces. I just, I don't, there's nothing there that I'm actually that excited about. And um, I feel like people think that Billy Donovan's going to come in and like turn them into an awesome team. And I just don't have a lot of confidence in it. Yeah. I mean, they're all fine. Like I think I actually like Wendell Carter, but like, I understand what you're saying. Like none of these guys are actually that good. So. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the, the last category, our special bonus category, is um, we're going we're gonna to start at the end of each pod, I think, doing like a, a player's most likely to X, Y, Z, and we'll take listener suggestions. But the one that we came up with um, this time is who are the players most likely to get kicked out of their kids' basketball game? when they are parents sitting in the stands. Um, and I think far and away the, the number one candidate for this is Boogie Cousins um, because he's very demonstrative and emotional and just seems to love to yell pretty relentlessly. Um, and seems like he would actually also like really love his kids and just get really fired up. And so I would definitely see Boogie getting kicked out of the game. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, number two, uh, Pat Beverly. I mean, he'll he'll just like talk crap to like the other t- team of kids or the reps or something <laughs> that would get in trouble. Like, he wouldn't do any like physical antics, I don't think. But I think just like his talking would be so annoying that like he might get kicked out. Yeah, didn't he tell Michelle Roberts like, "Be quiet, you work for us" during yeah. like the bubble hysteria? Yeah, maybe hysteria isn't the right word for it, but the emotionally charged conversations about whether or not to continue the season. Exactly. It sounds like he was hysterical, which is why I call it hysteria. But um, yeah, I think that's another good pick. And then finally, uh, my last pick would be the namesake of um, one of the members of this podcast, uh, a legacy pick, Rashid Wallace. Um, Sheed was just absolutely legendary in his harassment of the officials. Um, My favorite was when he would scream, ball don't lie um when uh they would call a foul on him and players would miss the free throws or when he would fling his headband into the uh into the crowd at the palace some great memories from uh my young days as a pistons fan so yeah i think rasheed wallace would would definitely be a guy to get kicked out of his kids games Mm -hmm. anyone else that comes to mind for you 
being wrong our test metal world <laughs> nah man he's, he's a brawl he's reformed yeah it's about right steven jackson <laughs> yeah now you're just who else was who else was out the there fruit. who else was Jer- out there jermaine o'neal i think got a hefty suspension ben wallace was like got was part of the fight um yeah those are the biggest guys that come to mind Malice at the Palace, baby. All right. Uh, our, our last segment today um, is uh, some listener questions. So we had two listener questions. Um, and Sheet, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask these to you and you can kind of yeah. frame it up for us. The first is uh, from Ben S. How do you view the trade market for James Harden? What is he really worth at this point? Um. I mean, now I think Giannis signing the Supermax kind of uh, clarifies things. So, like, for me, I think this market is probably basically Miami, Brooklyn, uh, Philly. Um, maybe Golden State. Um, what is I he worth? What is he worth? It's one of those things. Like, when people pass 30 and they're on expensive deals, like, you know, it's a fair contract, right? Like, it's just like, how much surplus value are you getting? So I think what's he worth? Like from Philly, he's worth like Simmons straight up. From Miami, you know, they would get Hero and Duncan Robinson and a couple firsts and matching salary, which is okay, I guess. From Brooklyn, they would get that whole poo-poo platter of, <laughs> you know, Levert and Dinwiddie and like to me, like he's. I think the, the Brooklyn he's package. Like I think a, the Brooklyn package is better than the Miami package. Maybe, but I think Hero is a better prospect than anyone in the Brooklyn package. I guess. Um, and the issue, right, is like you're never gonna get a fair deal, but like he's probably what like the eighth best player in the NBA, and he's 31 and on a fair money deal. So eight, eight seems slightly low. But like he doesn't. In the playoffs, he's never done anything. That's true. That's fair. That's fair. So, like, what's he worth? Like, Ben Simmons is six years younger and probably, like, the 20th best player in the NBA. Like, that's probably what he's worth. Yeah. The equivalent of the 20th best player in the NBA. Yeah. Given all the surrounding things. So, like, what what that would be, like, Ben Simmons or, like, if you say Jalen Brown, like, the 30th or 35th, like, Jalen Brown. Yeah, they would never trade him, like, straight up for Jalen Brown. Yeah, but it'd be, like, Jalen Brown and, like, I don't know, like a, one of the Celtics young guys and a couple firsts, something like that, you know, like a first or two. Um, I mean, I think they got to get some pick equity if they trade him, right? Otherwise, it's like – I mean, I guess you got Ben I mean, Simmons, but – Yeah, I mean, they'll get pick equity if otherwise. But, again, like Jalen Brown's a way better player than anyone else that's going to be offered by Brooklyn or uh, – Brooklyn or Miami, so. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. So he's worth less than he should be worth, but that's how it works when you pass 30 in the NBA. Yeah, I bet Maury kind of wanted to trade him a couple of years ago. Maybe, maybe not because they had Chris Paul and everything, but that would feels like it would be like a Maury type move. Um, all right, our other listener question uh, from friend of the pod and futurist Aiden How will COVID slash the shortened season affect the teams? Who benefits? Who doesn't benefit? So I can start with a stab at this one. I think we talked about it a little bit in our last podcast. I think it's going to be 
I guess it's like it will hurt less teams that are deep, teams that are young, teams that have continuity. Um, I think between COVID and the shortened season, which means there's just going to be more back-to-backs, less rest, there's going to be guys sitting more. And so, you know, if you're like a top-heavy team like the Lakers or the Clippers who has two stars and then like a bunch of role players, if one or two of your stars sit, like that team is probably worse off than if you're – I don't know, like the Blazers or something and ha- yeah. like pretty good second, third, fourth players. Um, Anyone that needs to get managed, like yeah, due to past injury history or whatever, is it's it's worse for, right? Because like this is just an example, but like Russell Westbrook didn't play a single back to back last year. And like there's so many more back to back this year than last year. That's or, like, crazy. Embiid is gonna have to be carefully watched after. Not that the Sixers can get super adversely affected but like those kind of things like Kawhi gets rest days so yeah. Paul George LeBron will probably get managed this year so will Anthony Davis like those teams will like do worse in the regular season yeah there's like the playoffs like I don't I don't think it affects anything really past the regular season except for the fact that like however seating is hap- whatever seating happens because of you know some yeah. teams what yeah. about what about like COVID you can think about it from like a how likely are players in different markets to get infected angle yeah like even though like covid is popping off in like la i would assume that like guys who live in la have an easier time like doing something fun without like being exposed to a bunch of people because they can just like go over to lebron's mansion or like go to the beach versus like in new york city where anything would have to be inside or something like that i don't know if, I, if that's like a little too crazy of analysis but they're probably there's got to be like a little bit of that angle, right? Or is it, is it? I mean, the other side of that is like what teams have respect for their veteran leaders enough to like follow the rules. Yeah. Where it's like hard. And what do you think Lou know. Williams is going to do? I don't know. Maybe he already had COVID. We don't, we don't even know who had COVID, who didn't have COVID. So it's hard to say. That's true. Say I mean, who's... we know that, I mean, what? 50 guys tested positive right now. How many guys tested positive when they did it back in the spring or the summer? I thought it was a good number. I assume it's, I assume we're north of a hundred. Yeah. So yeah, that's probably like 20 or 30%, which is like similar to what the U S is. Plus if someone was asymptomatic, like anytime in the spring or in the fall, you know what I mean? Yeah. Can I ask you a provocative question? Sure. What do you think the chances are that the NBA players get the vaccine kind of early? Pretty high. On, like, they're on not going to get it. They're not going to get it like right now. But like, I don't know. I was thinking like the Massachusetts, the, the Massachusetts like rollout of vaccine is like healthcare workers and like, and like nursing home people, both mm-hmm. residents and workers yeah. um, first. And then it's like K to 12 students and people with two or two or more uh pre-existing yeah i think they'll get at that level which will be like on what like on what grounds just like hey we'll give you extra money if we can have the vaccine early no it's like if we're gonna give like a 12 year old vaccine why no no no. those people are gonna be last they're i don't know what you saw no they're not k-12 worker k-12 students are like what are like students or teachers both really yeah i don't think that's right i don't think they're giving it to kids early I'm just telling you, I read the article on Massachusetts Rollout. I don't know what they're doing elsewhere. I'm just saying, like, 
they're going to get it like not immediately because like that would be bad press and that would be bad. But like once you get past like the healthcare workers, it's like I don't know, man. I mean, cares? if you look, if you look at like they're closer to a, they're closer to like a to a, they're basically like they should like if they were doing it like essential workers and non-essential workers, like the NBA should just count essential workers. Like the same as someone that works in the grocery store. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense though. Why not? They're not essential. I mean, they're essential for you and I. Well, they're essential, but like they, they are working. Nothing's <laughs> yeah. essential. Nothing's essential. The grocery store gets shut down. <laughs> How are people going to eat if, they're, if you can't go to the grocery store? I'm just saying like whatever, like people that have jobs that aren't like healthcare workers that are working right now in person, that is what NBA players are doing. Sheed, I think you would have to be like, the way that I've been thinking about it is the NBA players are like as likely to get the vaccine as you and I are. Like they are no more special than you and I, and we're probably not going to get it until like the spring at the earliest. I think they'll get it in like February. Yeah. I think you're you're right. I think you're right, but I think people are going to be pissed about that. But like I had a discussion with somebody and it's like, okay, sure. But how many total people is the NBA going to, going to, have to vaccinate like three thousand, maybe total. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. Like, I think the net positive externalities, like if they can safely play NBA basketball games, like the amount of like economic activity that it generates, and also just happiness in people getting to watch sports. Um, but I don't know how that would jive with. Well, right, like 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 states or. Are- the country is getting like millions and millions and millions of vaccines like coming in basically weekly. Like what is three, what is 3000? <laughs> we're pushing I, people back. We're pushing back. Like fine. Say we wait till the healthcare works. I'm fine with that. I'm not saying, but like we're, pushing, <laughs> we're then pushing back. Like sorry that, that, that like whoever works at the grocery store gets their vaccine delayed by seven days. So the NBA can get vaccinated. That's basically that, what we're saying. That, that I, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you on principle. I'm just saying that like the optics of that would be horrible. I I think they'd be not great, but like it'd be horrible to like go ahead of like the like doctors and nurses and stuff. Yeah. I'm saying they're gonna go after those people before the next phase. So who do you think should get it first? NBA players or like a 55-year-old with no pre-existing conditions and is not a healthcare worker? Those people are literally like last. Those people are like with us. Not a 55-year-old. Yeah, it's under 65, dude. Under 65 is all the same. I don't need from a distribution perspective? Yeah, from distribution perspective. We should potentially, we potentially make a bet on this. I think NBA players will get vaccinated before you and I get vaccinated. Yeah, I think that is a near certainty. Okay, but we're just, so like we're getting vaccinated in like April. Roger, Roger Goodell said the NFL is not going to jump the line. Well, it's not even in season. That's the whole thing. Well, they could potentially get it like late January, early Feb in time for the Super Bowl. Although I guess it takes a couple of weeks to build up the immunity from the vaccine. Yeah. So it wouldn't really be worth anything anyway. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I mean, they'll get vaccinated. It'll be fine. Hopefully the life's back to normal in the summer. That's what we're hoping for. Oh man, COVID corner. That's some good content for the people right there. Those that managed to stick around to the end of the pod. That was good stuff. She's giving me two thumbs up. I mean, I'm just ready. I'm just ready for... You know, 
herd immunity. Yeah, aren't we all? Aren't we all? Hopefully, uh, the Johnson and Johnson vaccine gets approved too, and then we're just swimming in vaccinations. Would be great. Would be great. All right. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure. I uh, am super excited for the NBA season. I don't know. Do you think we'll do another podcast before the season starts, or will we just? We'll probably talk like after the Christmas games. Maybe yeah. like maybe on maybe after the first day. Yeah, we could we could rip a like first night. How many games? There's like five games the first day, right? Is it? There's a bunch on the 23rd. I don't know if it's I don't know on the 22nd. I didn't yeah, see. I don't know either. Anyways, we'll probably talk then. All right. Have a good one. See ya. Bye.